This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan, I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 205 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have a tale of fairy doctors and witches. This is the tale of Bewitched Butter. But first, a very big welcome to any new listeners. If this is your first episode, you're more than welcome to listen to this one and give you a taste of what we do on the podcast and then if you like it why not make your way all the way back maybe even as far as episode one over four years ago to see what we've been building up to over the saga of mythology and folklore history and legend and if you're a returning listener as always thank you so so much for your continued support all the usual ways you can support the podcast over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Follow me, share these episodes on your story, spread the good name of the podcast. You can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com for any questions, queries, thoughts, anything like that. Um, those are the best places to get in touch with me. And the more physical ways you can support the podcast, you can do so by buying my book, Garden Sea, a neo myth of home, my poetry collection, which can be shipped all around the world in paperback from the Headstuff website or in instantly in kindle version from amazon all of the links are in the description below and if you want to support the podcast itself you can join so at headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com where for as little as five euro a month although you can pay more if you want you can gain access to bonus material not just for fireside but for all of the podcasts on the headstuff podcast network and that is all of the hard sells right there out of the way I am reporting to you now. I hope my diction is actually okay because um, I flew to America yesterday. So I had a long day traveling from uh, from Ireland, flew from Ireland to London Gatwick and then Gatwick to Orlando. Just got in late last night and this is, uh, we're about to do our tech day. I'm here just about to begin a tour of the US uh, with the world of musicals. We're here for the next month. Um, and very much looking forward to it. It's great to be back in the US. And so any of my listeners in in America who may be around the following states, we are going to be in a lot of places around Florida. We're going to be in Mississippi, South Carolina, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska, Wyoming, and Idaho over the next few weeks. Uh, all the most of the dates should be on the website at theworldofmusicals.com. 
But a few of the dates are missing from that website for some reason. Maybe they're at the discretion of the individual theatres themselves. So if you can't find it listed, um, get on to me and let me know whereabouts you are because, of course, America is much, much, much bigger than Ireland. I know just because you're in a state doesn't mean you're anywhere close to something. Um, so let me know because it was would, of course, be anyone who is interested it is a musical theatre show, so a bit of a departure, something quite different from this podcast. But if it is your type of thing, it's a good show, and it, of course, would be incredible to meet any of you in person. Um, the last time I was on tour in the US, um, we had a couple of people who listened to the podcast come along to the show, and it was incredible. It made something that is recorded by me on my own in a very small room feel very real to meet someone thousands of miles away who listens to it. So reach out if you are around any of those states and you want to come along to see the show. This uh, episode is actually a re-record because I recorded and nearly got to the end of it um, and then the recorder fell off the desk and I opened it back up hoping that the file hadn't been lost and then I put it in the laptop and I realized that I had actually stopped the recording when I went to look up the dates of the show and never pressed re-record which actually doesn't happen very often uh, which is good because it's a very frustrating thing to happen. But I don't mind too much because it makes the first record more like a dress rehearsal. And oftentimes the second record can be a bit more of a flow to it. Usually it requires less editing because there's less mistakes because I've had a go at it before. But we shall see what happens this time. But this story um, is from the Fairy Doctors and Witches section of... This is where I found it in WB Yeats' book of Fairy and Folktales of Ireland. Link in the description. And this story seemed appropriate to do because we've been back in the world of Antombo Kuna, we've been doing other cattle raid stories and we've been talking a lot recently about the importance and the power that cattle have. So when I was looking at folk tales um, and I found this one, this seemed to operate in the in the very much that vein and that world, but in a very different kind of Ireland, a time long after these gods and heroes of mythology and in the time of, of immense poverty and hardship for a huge amount of Irish Catholics. But also, that's the greatest thing about the folktales is that the myths are about these grand, large, heroic characters and gods. The folktales are always about real people and they're rooted in very much real places. And that's why I love doing both types of tale, to see both sides and see the strengths of each type of story. So it particularly seemed like a good comparison to some of the myths that we've been doing at the moment. So, of course, we'll chat more about it afterwards, but this is Bewitched Butter on Fireside. Bewitched Butter From the great epic of Irish mythology, Anton Bocuna, the cattle raid of Cooley, we have established that there was little more important in Gaelic Ireland than agriculture, the plough, the sun, the hazel. These were the gifts brought to this island by the gods, the Tua de Danan. It was Brez, the deposed king of the gods, who led the dreaded Fomorians in war against his own mother's people. A war Brez, the Fomorians, and their king, Baelor of the Evil Eye, would lose, when Lulavada, Lu of the Long Arm, the Ildonok, the master of all arts, led the Tuadedanan at the second great battle of Moitara, and defeated Brez and his enemy horde. While many Fomor were killed in the battle, 
Brez himself was spared, and in return taught his own people the arts of the crop, of the harvest, of agriculture. And that art and importance of agriculture has never left the island of Ireland. Livestock, most importantly cattle, became the very real sign of power. Wrongdoings were punishable by the price of cows. Wedding dowries were paid in heifers. And of course, the greatest and bloodiest war on this island was fought over a bull. But after the fall of the gods, even after the rise and fall of mortal Gaelic Ireland, after the colonization and subjugation of the island, many Irish descended into the depths of poverty. But while many of these could not afford livestock, cattle never lost that sense of autonomy and importance. In Donegal, in the northwest of the island, not far from the seaside village of Rathmullen, in the days of witches and fairy doctors, there lived two families, the Hanlons and the O'Dohertys. Now both families had cattle, but only the Hanlons were lucky enough to have a dairy cow from County Kerry. A Kerry dairy cow was one of the most valuable cows one could have, because they would always give the finest milk, which could be churned into the creamiest butter. So of course, like Queen Maeve's jealousy of her husband Alil's great white-horned bull, the O'Dohertys were very envious of the Hanlon's Kerry cow. One night, far too late for a visitor to be calling, there was a knock on the Hanlon's door. The old Mrs. Hanlon was the only one at home, but she did not open the door, but called to the other side. Who is it? It's Grace Doherty, Mrs. Hanlon, was the reply. Grace was the elder daughter of the O'Dohertys. It was said around that she was more admired than loved. She was strong-willed, ambitious, and alluring. But there was something about her that made people uneasy. Like she couldn't be trusted. But why? No one could quite put their finger on. It's very late, Grace, said Mrs. Hanlon, still not opening the door. What can I do for you? I was just wondering if you'd like me to milk your mweely cow. This was a word that came from whale, the Irish word for blunt or bald, meaning a cow with no horns. Why would you want to milk our cow? Have you not cows of your own to milk? I do, but I just heard you weren't feeling very well and I wanted to lend a hand until your strength came back to you. I've strength enough for milking, thank you, Grace. Now go on. You'd better get home. It's not safe to be out this late. There's rogues and rovers, witches and fairies about. A disappointed and disgruntled Grace left the Hanlon cottage and went home. But the very next night, she was back at the house with the same request. Mrs. Hanlon answered the door this time out of courtesy, but still refused to let Grace Doherty milk the Kerry cow. But on the third night, Mrs. Hanlon's strength was worn out, and she finally relented. Grace went out and set to work milking the mweely cow. 
She returned to the Hanlon home with the produce and then went on her way into the night. Grace Doherty never again came to the Hanlon house offering her milking services, but something far worse happened. Mrs. Hanlon realized she had been right to resist Grace in the first place, because the beloved Hanlon Kerry Cow stopped giving milk. Day after day they tried, but not a drop came. The Hanlons became worried. They depended on this cow, the cow that gave the milk to produce butter that was admired from all around. It was a constant source of not only sustenance, but also of luxury and pleasure in the hard times that the family found themselves in, living as they did in old rural Ireland. They also would sometimes sell the butter whenever they found themselves in particularly dire straits. Without the Kerry cow, this family would be ruined. So Mrs. Hanlon sent for the kind of person who knew about this type of thing. There was a solitary, wandering figure in the community of Rathmullen named Mark Macarion. It was said that he had been the lover of a fairy and had been spirited away for seven years. Fairy lovers often became great artists or musicians, but only those who were lovers of the jovial, mischievous, trooping fairies. There was the Lenon She, the solitary fairy who would enslave her lover to her will, unless the subject refused her love, at which point the fairy became bound in servitude. The lovers of this fairy became the greatest artists Ireland has ever or will ever know. From Usheen the Bard of Erin right down to today. These create the greatest poetry and music, but live short, often miserable lives. But a lover of a trooping fairy may live a long and productive one. Though they will tend to become distant, wandering souls, for they have known a thing, seen a world, which mere mortals seldom do, and they can never reconnect and enter everyday society. Those fairy lovers who do not become poets or musicians will often become fairy doctors. These know all the charms, the herbs, the medicines and cures of the other folk. They can see the she. Many a new build has gone up, and a fairy doctor has urged for it to be torn down because it has been built on a fairy road. So Mark Macarion was the fairy doctor of Rathcullen, and he arrived at the Hanlon home and inspected the Kerry cow. Sure enough, he said, This is a case of bewitched butter. This cow has been cursed by someone with an evil eye. Just as I draw my insight from the good folk, whoever milked this cow has known one of the wicked spirits. But I know what we can try. There are a few things. We could heat up the coulter of a plough. We could put three pieces of straw under the butter churn. But they would have to be pieces of straw stolen at midnight from above the witch's door. That would work for sure, but it is riskier, and it would take longer. How about 
Mrs. Hanlon, will this cow even give a drop of milk? Even a half pint would do. Aye, Mark, I'll, I'll try to get even that much from her, said Mrs. Hanlon. Do it. Then lock the door and find yourself nine unused pins. Pins that have not been used to fasten clothes. Then put them in a saucepan with the milk and bring them to the boil. Mrs. Hanlon set to work, and it took a long, patient sit on the stool by the business end of her Kerry cow. She calmed and comforted the beast, and urged for the blessings of the good people. Eventually, drop by drop, the mealy cow gave a half pint of milk. The liquid was poured into a saucepan, and nine shiny new pins were dropped into the mix, and the pan was brought over the fire. Soon the milk began to bubble, and the pins began to simmer. As the colour of the thin bits of metal changed, the Hanlons heard the sound of footsteps approach the house. Fast footsteps, an all-out sprint. Then someone started banging on the door. Someone in distress, someone screaming. It was Grace Doherty. Please, Mrs. Hanlon, she cried, take those pins off the boil. I can feel nine stabbing pains in my heart. Please make it stop, and I'll never come here again. I'll never try to milk your Kerry cow or any other cow, please. Mrs. Hanlon contemplated letting Grace Doherty stew in agony for a little while longer. But the fairy doctor, Mark McCarrion, encouraged mercy. The potion was brought off the fire, and the screaming outside ceased. Grace Doherty was never seen at the Hanlon house again, and the Kerry cow gave milk and butter and cheese forevermore. In fact, that one cow lived until the day the last of the Hanlons who lived in that house died. The fairy doctor had cured the touch of the evil spirits, and now the Hanlons had the blessings of the other folk. The End Fad Camp is a comedy podcast about the ridiculousness of fad diets and diet culture, hosted by me, Grace Mulvey. And me, Connor Dowling. If you have a body of any kind, chances are you've crossed paths with at least one of the bizarre diet trends we cover in our show. And between me and Connor, we have done nearly every fad diet there is. Juice cleansing. Fasting. The potato diet. Which is actually a real diet, by the way, and we don't recommend it. So join us as we try to make sense of the madness that is diet culture. Find Fad Camp everywhere you get your podcasts and make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fad Camp Podcast. And that is the tale of Bewitched Butter on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Bewitched Butter for the second time I've recorded today. But actually was well worth. I prefer the second recording. I also didn't make any big mistakes. So that will make this much cleaner and much easier in the edit. So that will be the exchange of the time taken. Um, But we have a lovely short tale here. A tale that was actually usually... It was only about a page long in the version I adapted it from in the WB8's book. And it, that usually would have made me 
not adapt it because I'd like the episodes to be of a certain consistent length on this podcast. But I just liked it too much. I liked the customs around it and the actual story of it too much to not adapt it. Because what then the shorter length also gave me permission to do was to flesh out the world of it. And it allowed me to give a bit more context to this world. So I, of course, got to talk about Irish mythology, about Queen Maeve and King Alil that we've been talking about a lot recently, but also to remind people of Brez, who we haven't really met since the fourth episode of this podcast, way back in late 2018. Uh, Brez, who was the deposed king of the Tua de Danon, the most beautiful of them, who discovered that his father was of the enemy race of the Fomor, who sailed over to raise up a Fomor army with their king, Baylor of the Evil Eye, to come over and face the Tuatha to reclaim the land of Ireland, and Lula of Oda, who would be Baylor's grandson, to fight off against his evil grandfather. And it was when Brez was spared that he gave the gift of agriculture, which came from the plough and the hazel and the sun, which the Tour de Danon brought with them, the worship of these three things. So it really ties in and really emphasizes the importance of not just livestock and cattle, but of agriculture on this island, which of course continues to this day. It is an island of the great importance of art and culture, but obviously also of agriculture. And they all marry together in equal importance and equal sense of magic within the worlds of folklore and mythology. So getting the freedom to root the story in the context of its world and seeing what it is a very late entry into, this far more parochial, simple tale of real people dealing with real fairy curses. And it also allowed me, it being such a shorter story, with just three characters essentially, we have the bewitching Grace Doherty, we have the older Mrs. Hanlon, and then we have the fairy doctor, Mark McCarrion. And we got to dip in and give a bit of context to the idea of fairy doctors. There's a there's a great, I love, as, as someone who endeavors to be an artist and be a poet and a musician, I, of course, love this idea of this enchanting nature to those crafts, that those who practice poetry and music, they must be bewitched by the fairies to endeavor to do something so mad and magical. And that we have this idea that all great artists and musicians must have been the lovers of fairies, whether male or female, and that these are the ones who go on to do these great things. And that if they don't become a poet or a musician, that they would become fairy doctor, someone who has seen this world, knows these people, can still see these people to this day, and uses that. So if there is a changeling, or if your house is occupied by a leprechaun or a chloricon, anything like that, you're the fairy doctor is the one who can figure out the charms for this and the cures for these curses. But I loved as well this detail of the Lenon Shi, this great fairy, solitary fairy being who, if you love the chain of, it's like the ultimate tragic muse, the idea that if you, if someone loves this Lenon Shi, who is usually depicted as a woman, but there apparently is one story where the Lenon Shi is a man. Um, and if you love this Lenon Shi, that you will create the greatest art that anyone has ever seen, but it will come at the cost of your own life. And that is, of course, a wonderful and apt metaphor for something that is frequently talked about, the idea of 
great artists and genius in general coming at the cost of a huge amount of of your personal life and you look at the short miserable lives that some great artists lived like van gogh or even hemingway with a longer life but still a very troubled and miserable one that was cut short uh, tragically by his own hand and there is often in this awful thing it's like oh do you have to live this awful life to create great art and that of course isn't true as well because there are many many great artists who live very very long and very fruitful personal lives who also created great art but it has always been a discussion and I love the Lenon Shi as a, a metaphor in mythology for that question that has obviously plagued as long as there has been art so you have this wonderful idea that the Lenon Shi is this evil muse that comes at the cost but if you just go with a trooping fairy one of the marauding jovial trickster bunch folks like the Clorcan and or um no the Clorcan and Leprechaun are solitary solitary fairies but trooping fairies like the red caps and all of these kind of lads that if you hang out with them and if you love one of them then you could actually create great stuff it might mightn't be as good as you know the greatest of all art but you could live a happier life and still spend it creating poetry and music but that it would naturally make you a solitary distant figure that these became the wandering souls the people who would belong in no place and would travel all around delivering these pieces continuing this bardic uh, culture this poetic lifestyle to travel around and never really be of one place be of one person or be of one community and that if you weren't dedicating to the arts again that you would become this very doctor that you would use your powers probably for the most good your knowledge of the other world and the other folk and this is what mark mccarrion does with this wonderful and simple charm that again reminds us of the the brewery of eggshells very very early in this podcast's history uh, of brew of boiling eggshells to make a changeling reveal themselves that you have mrs hanlon bringing nine unused pins to the boil that in a sense of like irish voodoo this then makes the pins enter the heart of the creature who is bewitched because then we get in Grace Doherty as this figure, who again, when we meet these characters, we have to think that in an Ireland, in an older Ireland, a lot of these were taken as, as fact from a lot of people. And so that if there was uh, a, someone in a community who was deemed a bit strange or out there, then they must be bewitched by the fairies. And if it looks like there's a kind of malevolence there, then they must have been bewitched by evil spirits. And so the fairy doctors are the benevolent of this and the witches are the malevolent aspect of this. So Grace Doherty is at some point loved an evil spirit and an evil fairy um, or a devil of some kind. And she wants to get revenge on the Hanlons for their Kerry cow that they lured above the rest of the community. And this backfires on her when she is revealed by the fairy doctor. But you have to have this sense of empathy for because like, mortals never really get a say in which of us is spirited away it is usually entirely at the fairies discrepancy or the spirits discrepancy so grace doherty would have had no more choice in being the lover of a of an evil spirit as mark mccarrion would have had to be in the lover of a benevolent one and so they are be each victims of a bewitching from magical people and then each one got lucky and one got luck unlucky in what they were able to use their powers for. 
Of course, it could be said that being bewitched by an evil spirit couldn't mean that you couldn't use those powers for good, or being bewitched by a benevolent one couldn't mean you could use those added powers for evil. You could see a very doctor very easily using his this knowledge for ill will. And I, my hope is, I certainly want to do another story. I want, I hope to find a good story on Elenon She and of other fairy lovers because this is a, this is a sub section of fairy lore that I find very very fascinating and I think it would yield really really good stories if they are there to be found so of course do let me know any of you who may know any stories of fairy lovers from past or present and I will wrap things up now here um, I soon will be heading off getting on the bus and heading off to tech here in Florida just about we're about 20 minutes outside the villages which is where our first show is um, so again, yes, if anyone does want to come along to the show, please do get in touch with me either on Instagram at FiresideBard or email me at thefiresidebard.com. The dates, a lot of the dates are on the website, theworldofmusicals.com. But if you type in like your state and the world of musicals, you may be able to find where they are. I have all the dates anyway here in, um, um, and the exact places. If anyone wants to know, please do reach out. It would, of course, be incredible to see. Next week, we will have one of our world tales. Um, this will be in the vein of Rumpelstiltskin. So we did German folklore the last time, but we're going to do something completely different again. And the feeling is um, the next tale that I do will finally be four years in uh, my great original love, which was Greek mythology. But what a world to enter and so, what a world to dip a toe into and not just do everything. It's the world I was so hesitant to do because it's been so covered by the greatest poets and greatest writers of history and there wasn't anything I thought I could bring to it without that sense of cultural authenticity that I can bring to the Irish tales. But at this stage, I just want to constantly be comparing these the stories of Ireland and the stories that we cover and have covered on this podcast with the great stories of other cultures, folklores and mythologies and it seems like the right thing to do now, four, four years into this podcast and two, 200 episodes odd in. Um, so next week, we won't start at the beginning. Um, I might just do a couple here and there over the course of the next couple of months. But I will do one Greek and then it will be another Irish myth, another folktale, and then another world tale from another culture. And we'll see what people like and what people respond to. But the story I'm thinking for next time is to dive right in the middle and to do the story of Persephone, of the story of Hades and Persephone and the chariot. So I very, very much look forward to that and hope you do too. So follow me over on Instagram, email me, uh, buy Garden Sea, my neo-myth of home, my poetry collection in Kindle version from Amazon or in paperback, which can be shipped all around the world on the Headstuff website. All the links are in the description, as is the link to join Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 